Hey everybody, this is Sam and you're listening to The Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationship, intimacy and personal development tips. A podcast for deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationships. Today we are going deep, we've already gone deep prior to this recording and I'm so excited to have Daniel coming on this podcast with me did not say your middle name because i'm not even going to try brilliant <laughs> thank you yeah awesome so daniel's a mischievous mage the pursuit did i say that right am i yep. this is... uh you can say mischievous or mischievous, mischievous i think that's or... kind of from the same yeah 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 cool. same category <laughs> I, I usually say mischievous mage but you mischievous, mischievous mage mischievous <laughs> mage love that it actually rolls up better um yeah so the pursuit of wonder freedom and play has always been at the forefront of what drives daniel's curiosity for unraveling the mysteries of life's potential daniel was first introduced to breathwork yoga qigong and meditation through his early kung fu and tai chi training the words from his first sifu is that right everyone can tell now it's um off the cuff very very candid and um Un- unplanned which i like yeah 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 this is yeah yeah so i'm gonna read out a quote guys this is probably the most relaxed i've been in intros which is great um this Good. quote is kung fu will make you a fighter but meditation will make you a wizard and this quote sparks something that continues to burn to this day he's come to appreciate the mis- mis- mischief of the cosmos and to tread with the skip of divine madness in his step more passionate than ever about educating people in the true essence of yoga tantra and these beautiful technologies we weave together in this mysterious phenomena we call magic bring everything to the path wow who am i about to talk to i kind of have an idea to just have a really awesome conversation for like 40 minutes before jumping on here um but today we're going to talk about the difference between traditional and neo-tantra. So welcome to my podcast, Daniel. Thank you for joining me in the deep end. Thank you for the intro, <laughs> the very relaxed intro. The very yeah, relaxed I think intro. It's good though. Like I like that we chatted. Yeah, we had to, me and Sam just had to catch ourselves out because we, yeah, we were just nerding out on all the different things and um, we realised that we're missing all the good stuff for the recording. So um, yeah, no, thank you. For having me I'm very looking forward to yeah just chatting all the things yeah so we've kind of just been exploring um I guess different themes concepts ideas our different belief systems around relationships our different experiences around relationships and um yeah bringing it back into this topic around tantra and neo-tantra like I from the outside of me and I haven't journeyed or understood like studied tantra I've had experience that like experiences that um to me have been described as tantric but uh yeah there's obviously a very um uh, there's a difference between what we now experience as tantra and, and the traditional elements of tantra and so we're going to unpack that and yeah I kind of I want to start from the start with you Daniel where what how why who led you down this path (laughs) (laughs) um well it all started probably around 10 or so years ago that I really started to delve into this stuff like the intro mentioned I 
uh, was getting into Kung Fu and, and martial arts. And that introduced me to meditation and breath work and things like that. Um, yeah, a really cool teacher. He was very open to other different uh, yeah techniques of doing things. And at the same time, I was getting into what is called ceremonial magic. And so since I was like a kid, I've always, I used to watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch and like, I always loved like all these magical kind of things and fantasy novels. And I guess like most people, you know, who've read Harry Potter and stuff as well, which wish magic was real. And I was so skeptical, but someone gave me a book uh, about 10 or so years ago, which was called Hermetic Magic. And this actually was a scholarly work on the history of like the Greek and Egyptian like transcribed papyri. And basically it introduced me to like grimoire based magic. And, you know, part of me was like, this is just nonsense. Um, but I was like, well, try it. And so I started practicing some of the like spells and things in there. And yeah, just, you know, fast forward, or maybe I'll unpack that another time. But uh, yeah, it basically started to break down my skeptical viewpoint of the world. And yeah, since then, a lot of weird shit has happened. And uh, yeah, I've really changed my view on it. And so the interesting thing is, though, that what we call yoga these days and what we call, uh, you know, the chakra system, for example, is actually from Western occultism and uh from like magical practices like so the seven chakra rainbow system that i call it people say that these are this is like ancient wisdom and you know all this sort of stuff whereas it's like a hundred years old the seven chakra rainbow system is a hundred years old uh, maximum and it is actually from uh the theosophical society were in india they took it back to the west they badly translated some of the um, you know, the yogic and tantric scriptures. And then they basically, with this small amount of information, made some books about it. And then other Westerners took those books, made more books, made more books. So it's like watered down, watered down, watered down, watered down. And then we ended up with this Western uh, chakra system, which is more based on psychology, um, Western psychology. So it's still a very good system. I like the seven chakra system, but it's better to, for like to unpack uh you know psychological ideas rather than what it was intended on doing which is like spiritual development and stuff so i'll go into that more later um but i actually wanted to touch on i liked because i haven't been familiar with your stuff sam for, for very long and i guess i'm skeptical because i see a lot of people in like the relationship uh you know kind of world I just see a lot of the same stuff. And I saw you put a post up the other day about uh, the divine masculine and feminine. And I, I felt in my body, there's, I was like, ha, here we go. Like, this is the same, I'm going to see the same shit again. Uh, of, you know, everyone's talking about, we've got to have the divine feminine, divine masculine. But yours, I was actually pleasantly surprised because you started to talk about one, that everyone experiences them differently. And I, I think this is great for a few reasons, which I'll touch on. But also you referred to Jungian psychology in it. And I was like, that is like most of what we think of as yoga and, and neo-tantra and stuff is more based on Jungian psychology. And I was like, thank fuck someone actually knows who Jung is. Um, because yeah, a lot of people are like, yeah, these are just like ancient downloads. It's like, no, this is Western psychology. And um, yeah, so you actually mentioned that as well, that uh, yeah, everyone experiences the divine masculine and feminine differently. And that's true on a lot of levels. But the interesting thing is we associate in Neo-Chantra, I've just gone like roundabout 
uh, like scenic route to answer your question. But that's okay. You've just jumped straight into the deep end, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I thought I mentioned as soon as we start talking, it'll, it'll probably just start running. And I also love a bit of flattery. So thank you so much for acknowledging my post. <laughs> yeah, I can see your face. You're like, oh, shit, like, what's he going to say? Yeah, I'm like, oh, what, what did I What did I say? Because sometimes I yeah. write things and I forget the, the little details, you know, when, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah for sure. No, basically you just said that um, the divine masculine and feminine um, are experienced in different ways and can show up like this and that uh, it's helpful to look at Jungian psychology uh, concepts like this. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember. Yeah, it's like dissolving the, like the polarity of it and, the, and, and coming into the fluidity and the marriage of both at once and becoming whole. Yeah, because yeah. it's, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly. what you're talking about. Yeah, because yeah, I'll go more uh, specifically into Tantra versus Neo-Tantra, but one thing I quickly want to debunk is that a lot of people in the neo-tantra, uh, so like modern tantra industry, talk about Shiva as a masculine representing stillness and holding space, and Shakti is the feminine, the divine feminine, uh, expressing movement and you know change and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's only in one lineage, because the thing is, tantra is huge as far as like all these different strands and lineages, and each one has its own different beliefs. So there's actually some of the some of the tantric lineages that have the opposite. In some of them, Shiva is like the wild destroyer and, you know, the causer of chaos. And then Shakti is the one that holds space in, in is more the still and the receptive one. And so if the thing is, if there's different roles for Shiva and Shakti in the different scriptures, what is the overarching like continuity? And the interesting thing is amidst all of them, it's supposed to represent complementary polarity, right? So you know, if if one of you is chaotic, then if the other person's chaotic, it's just going to get spiral out of control. And so I don't know if you've had the same thing where I show up differently in different relationships, mm -hmm. depending on what's needed from me. So that's why I think having different relationships is interesting because I'm like, in this relationship, I'm the clean one and always like, you know, doing this. Whereas in another relationship, the other person is more on top of like, certain things so I get lazy in that and it's like you get to be different parts of yourself in yeah. different relationships do you find that as well yeah yeah I also find that like I am somewhat of a chameleon so and I it's it's more like a skill rather than it being a fake kind of thing so it's like that attunement to yeah like what you express like what you need and um meeting people where they're at yeah yeah, yeah. I find that yeah, I like that. Yeah, and so, like, the first part to touch on is that a lot of people are very dogmatic about what they believe. Basically, whatever they're taught first is usually that's the way. You know, if someone, mm -hmm. you know, learns... Yeah, if someone learns first that Shiva, and that's what we see most of now because that was the most popular one that went into the West, and that's yeah. still true. But to if someone comes to you and says no like shakti represents like holding space and you're like no that's wrong because i've actually had people like going all over you know forums and stuff and basically going and correcting people on certain things and that's what we see most of these days so yeah just an open invitation to um realize that there's so many different versions of yoga there's so many different versions of tantra uh so many different so whatever you've been taught is probably still legitimate um, and still valid, but don't just go and tell someone else they're wrong just because they've been taught something different. And mm -hmm. so that's the first step, I guess, to 
yeah, having an open mind and learning about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did you have a, another specific question before I just go on another rant about? Uh... Um, there's just something I want to add to that. And I think that it is this piece around like the lenses that we each have. So your lens is going to be filled up with your life experiences that is going to cause you to see the world in a different way to what my lens of the world is. And mm -hmm. so I believe that with these ancient philosophies, whether or not they're a hundred years old or thousands of years old, it is always open for interpretation. Yeah. And it's all about how we interpret the information and what we do with that. What What yeah. do you think? No, I I agree mostly. Um, it's just <laughs> that um, no, like I do agree, but I think as well, it's like with that people can, and that's what people are doing in the new age community. They're just taking. So, do you know what the term UPG means? No. So it's a, a term that means unverified personal gnosis. And so if you have a, a download, right, mm -hmm. that uh, you were a reincarnated priestess from Egypt or something Isis. like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was Isis um, in a past life. Yeah. So either Isis or Cleopatra. And, <laughs> you know, but no one can verify it, right? It's unverifiable. How does anyone, mm. how can anyone verify that? Yeah. And so Gnosis is like a download. Like, it's like, I know this. And so that's UPG. That's unverified personal Gnosis. And so what we see a lot in the, the modern spiritual world is people will read something or they'll watch a documentary on Gaia or they'll, you know, hear of something or watch a YouTube video and then that'll drop into their subconscious mm -hmm. and then suddenly, like, they'll have a dream that they, you know, it's, it's like, I see a lot. It's like, yeah, I'm this, yeah, literally a reincarnated priestess from Egypt. I was like, okay, maybe you are, but also you just, yeah, binge watch, like, a whole series of either Moon Knight on Disney or this mm -hmm. e Egyptian history thing on Gaia or something else. It's like, do you think maybe that might be affecting your dreams or beliefs somewhat? And and that's where we get into, like, everyone does have their own interpretation of it, but how much is you actually researching the history and, like, grounded information on this and how much is you just wanting this because you feel like you need to validate your, um, you know, like, what's wrong with just saying, I actually took this from this, 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 and this and made my own modality out of it. You know, why does it have to be ancient downloads or ancient knowledge? And I think that the mm. interesting example I can give is like, what if I said to you that I was a reincarnated doctor, that I've been a doctor in five, five of my past lives? Mm. You might be like, okay, good for you. But mm. would you let me do heart surgery on you? You know what I mean? Mm. Like if, I, if I'd never actually studied uh, you know, medicine in my mm. current lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel is happening a lot of the time that people like, oh, you know, in a lot of these spiritual traditions, you have to do at least four to 25 years apprenticeships. To become so, a master, yeah, if you're going to claim that title. Yeah, there's um there's this group in uh, England in the UK that I read a book called Weirdwood and they basically communicate with the forests there. So they talk to tree spirits essentially. Um, it's really interesting. Like I'm very into the Celtic sort of stuff as well. I started with that. And so I actually went over there, got in touch with them, visited them. And it, it feels very, like, very real. But they actually teach people now for the first time in ages, but it's a 25-year apprenticeship. 
25 years. So you've got to dedicate like a pretty good solid portion of your life. And I think no one really wants to do that sort of stuff because they see all their peers, um, you know, running workshops and stuff. And so like, I just want to get the qualification. I'm going to do the weekend workshop and, mm-hmm. and they don't feel they get the imposter syndrome and they, they feel that maybe they don't have the experience to do it. And that's real for them. So they to compensate for that is like, well, I don't, I've only got like six months experience in this modality in this lifetime, but I have 600 years experience in my past lifetime. It's like, uh, like, what do you, and the thing is, it's, you can't, what are you supposed to say to that? Like, because you, you can't, I can't provide proof that they haven't. And that's what UPG is. Um, and okay. this is like what I see mostly in the spiritual industry. That's why like. I can't, yeah, I not- just can't. <laughs> I don't judge. Yeah. I just don't subscribe because for me, it's like, I don't give a fuck what happened in your past life. It has nothing to do with what's going on right here, right now. Yeah. And it is a bypass of your current reality and human experience. Yeah. And I'm quite brutal like that with my opinion, because I do see the parts of human humans like myself that want to feel special. It's like, Oh, this is my star sign. And this is like, you know, I have, like we were talking about before here, it's like my moon's in Scorpio, so that gives me permission to be more sexually expressed, you know? Mm. And it's like, is that what I really need or am I just displacing my power? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I just call bullshit sometimes, sorry. Like, No, I, I, I absolutely love And we honestly <laughs> need more of it because the thing is we're getting to the point in our modern world where, like, I love how compassionate we're starting to become and, and acceptable um you know, to people's beliefs and things like that. But, you know, there's a difference saying like, okay, saying that I identify as a doctor or, you know, I identify as a builder because I've had past life experiences where I was a builder. Like I built the Mm. pyramids, you know, cool. But you still need to get your qualification as a builder to build stuff. I'm not going to let you go and build that house. So there's a, it's like being compassionate and saying that we really don't know someone's inner experience and that can Mm. be completely valid but still go get your medical degree, still go get your builder's license and mm. construction if you're going to, you know, and, and even just encouraging people and being like, cool, well, you'll, you'll, you'll fly through medical school then. You'll, you'll, mm. you'll get your builder's license in three years instead of like six or seven or something like that because you're naturally attuned to it, but you still got to do the work in this lifetime. Yeah. It's like, it's, I it's also, tricky. I have, okay, so... <laughs> I also have uh, have something to say about that <laughs> because yeah. I think that there is something about these bodies that are governed by certain organizations that I also don't resonate with. So I've I've intentionally not studied formally studied like I understand like you said in that post I I reference Jung or whatever and I understand what I'm interested in knowing and I'm very mindful of that. Like I've, I have been very intentional with not going into study psychology. And some of my clients are like, yes, Sam, like one client just this week, she was like, you know, I was thinking about why you haven't gone and done your sleep. Like, why don't you just, why doesn't she just get a psychology degree? You know, it'll just do all this. And she's like, actually with the work that we're doing, we're going so much deeper than she ever has with any other therapist or psychologist because they're so bound by these governing bodies that have all these rules and regulations Mm. that limit our growth, which I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but I just think that there is 
a lot of kind of like red flags and there is a script and I hear it from so many different people and not I'm not discrediting people who spend like thousands of dollars and hundreds and thousands of or hundreds of hours or tens of thousands of hours learning a skill and I think that that's so valid and I don't want to invalidate that or disregard that because it's necessary but there's a difference between somebody who's embodied in what they teach and somebody who's living up in their head and has read something from a book and intellectualized it and personally I'm a kinesthetic learner I have to go through the fucking shit and the mud and the fire in order to learn and then be able to teach from that place and life has schooled me and I think about builders you know some people might be right anyway that's my challenge to that no I I completely agree yeah I think it's all about a balance because yeah you do get the people who you know maybe yeah like we're talking about read one book or like what do a weekend thing and then just go and you know but I'm I'm all for learning by doing like I even do that because I uh implementing it practicing it even teaching it helps my body to learn it um but yeah, just balancing it out with like, cause it's, it's all, so it's a triangle. Like I love triangles um, because I think there's so much symbology in it, but the, the way yeah. I, the first thing I learned in, in magic, in hermetic magic, which is a systematic development is there's theory, practice and subjective synthesis. So first you get the basic, it's like, cool. What is the theory of building? You put things together and it stays together. Cool. So you go and practice it, right? <laughs> And then, then after that, you make mistakes and you're like, oh, this is weird. Um, you know, this didn't work the way I intended it. Then you go back and check the theory and because you realize that you weren't doing it this particular way. And so it's, it's a cyclical process. That's what we, I think one of the first things we were talking about um, mm. before the podcast, um, I can't remember what we were touching on, but yeah, that how everything's not linear and not really black and white and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so... Yeah, it's it's a continuous learning process, and there's actually a a word for it in in the world of magic, uh, called an armchair magician or an armchair mage, and it's someone who has read a lot of books on on occultism and magic, and who's like, no, you should go and do that those kind of things, and they've never like never worked with spirits, they've never like done work, like they've never done anything, they've just read all these materials, mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm. see that in the new age as well, like people watch YouTube videos and stuff Mm. like that. And then they regurgitate the same things, but they've never actually practiced the thing. And sometimes Mm. for me, I can't always tell some people are, you know, but generally I can feel like people are either talking from their head Mm. or speaking from their body. Right. Mm. And I feel like, I don't know, it's like almost like this, like down upwards motion when people are speaking from their body and when it's like a top down I don't know if this is making sense but no it is yeah I'm with you yeah so yeah it's a bit bit of a balance between the two but yeah basically Mm -hmm. to say I agree completely with what you said what do you notice the difference between uh people speaking from their bodies and people speaking from their minds so like are you feeling like the embodiment when it's coming from the body is that what you're saying yeah, I think they're able to say it in a lot more different ways. So yeah. if people are regurgitating information, um, it is like a visual thing and like a feeling thing. But, you know, on a, on a practical level, I think the main thing that I notice is that if they're asked questions or even not asked questions, they say the same thing in many different ways, right? So I, f- I feel like people who don't know it have learned, like, like you were saying, like a university degree, learned to repeat the thing that they were told in the way that they were told, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. someone who's learned it like intellectually 
can repeat that same line. You know, this is this, is this, is this, is this. But if they asked about it and asked to unpack that, they might turn inward into their body and searching for it and like get an error code, you know, mm -hmm. because they're like, I haven't, I haven't done the subjective synthesis. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And so I think people who are more embodied um, are able to, yeah, are able to unpack it and explain it in more and more ways. And there's like that saying that if you can't explain something to a five-year-old child, you don't know enough about what you're doing. And I think as well, on the other side of that, people, because I meet spiritual people and they're like, yeah, I'm like a, a medium or I'm a, I'm a clairvoyant or I do this. I'm like, oh, cool. Like what methods do you use? Like what are your experiences? And they can't unpack their experiences or talk about the methods. And I think they're on the other. So I, I, I think maybe they, they are legit, at least some of them, but they haven't been able to self-reflect and intellectualize it um, in a way. And that's the next step because like, it's important to embody it first, definitely, but starting to uh, talk about it um, is the next step. I remember I'd been doing working with the runes, right, which is like a mm -hmm. Indo-European magical system, and I'd been working with them for like six or seven years, felt them solidly in my body, and I thought I knew like knew them really well. And then someone asked me to explain it. Someone asked me to present in front of a group at an event, and I was like, I don't know how the fuck to explain this. Like mm. I know in my body what I what I think, but mm. as soon as I like open my mouth, it was just like blah. It's also a line two thing. So for anyone listening that understands human design, both Daniel and I have um where Daniel's a two five, I'm a two four. And from what I'm learning and understanding about human design, and I'm not treating it as dogmatic because I'm super mindful of that. It's a reference thing for me. I don't like to give my power away to these tools. I like to just look at what resonates and yeah bring awareness to the self and with the line two, the way that we are what I'm learning is the best way that we transmit is through the through the experience of it within ourselves so the transmission of like you doing the thing or me doing the thing is the teaching mm. but I'm also hearing what you say and this could be completely wrong like it may not be true so um, I like that point that you've made. <laughs> I just feel like I've just like come at you with this like spiritual, also actually the science behind human design, um, yeah. with this tool and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, again, it's a system, and and that's the thing as well that like you got to understand everything is just a lens, like you were saying, and yes. I think that's why I feel like we haven't really even gone into what tantra is. I, will, I, I promise, I we will soon. Because uh, yeah. Tantra is essentially a lens, or I think it is like one of the, the best lenses. But I did want to touch on something else you mentioned um, that's really relevant. So I was having a conversation with someone recently and she was explaining her experiences. And this is another reason I have to start making notes because there's so many things I want to touch on. Um, but she's in like the Neo-Tantra kind of industry and mm -hmm. she has done a lot of embodiment work and stuff. And she's had some not so great experiences where she uh, believes that she's, yeah, but like been in connection with like some negative energies or dark, like darker energies or um, just like, you know, yeah, entities and stuff like that. Right. So I have a, you know, I, I would love to talk about more of that. Um, I've got some very, yeah, interesting opinions about all of that. Let's bookmark um, that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But so what I was explaining, cause she, she started to explain and I was like listening to her and everything. And she's like, I know you're probably going to say that 
you know, psychologically it's this. And I was like, well, yeah, I would. Psychologically it's that, but psycholo- psychology is only one lens. If I was, mm. if, if I was, if I was speaking to you uh, in, you know, you know, psych- psychology language, um, trying to think of a different word for it. I would just call it psychology language, probably not the mm. technical mm. term for it. Um, but if I was speaking to you from my magical perspective, I would like say it in this way. And if I was speaking to you from like this, like, uh, Indo-European shamanic perspective, then I would say it like this, like everything is a different lens. And so lenses can only do so much for you because they have to restrict things in mm. order to be a system. Like people think that systems are giving you things, but they're actually stripping things away. So what I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And so like the best way to, I, I can explain that is imagine we're both on a big field, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we say, okay, cool. Let's play a game. So we're not actually making up rules, like because if there's a if there's a single ball that we've both got that we're sharing, and then we're on a field, then it's open season. Like you can do whatever you want, right? What's the rules? Mm-hmm. Making a game out of things is setting boundaries. Okay, cool. You can't touch it with your hands. You can only kick it with your feet. Uh, in, like the goal of it is actually to get it through this little space on each end of the field. And you also can't do this, and you also can't do this. So you're actually limiting what you can do in order to play a game right and so like it's an interesting thing to look at because we think we're creating things but we're actually taking things away in order to create something and that's why even like you know we can talk about this in the next podcast about relationships yeah like talking about boundaries actually create the game if everything's Mm. open-ended you don't know really what you're supposed to be doing and it can get muddy but as soon as you know the rules to the game then Mm. you can you know start to play efficiently and you can shift and change it and Mm. so a lens or a framework is basically saying this is possible and this isn't possible um, and then working within that so basically what I'm trying to say is psychology is just one way of thinking it's very scientific and I love psychology don't get me wrong absolutely love western psychology yeah um, but in that framework they they basically consider everything to be happening within the brain yeah essentially like they don't make space for things to happen on a different layer um, which is interesting because the original word psychology meant study of the soul so this is the thing sorry to just like jump straight into the next point but i love that just want to give that space the study of the soul um so freud and jung were working together until they weren't and that's because they went into two different directions and jung actually created his the pioneer of archetypal consciousness or anyone who's in the spiritual realms, which I think, yeah, people who are in conscious and spiritual communities would have an awareness of that. Um, So he pioneered archetypal consciousness, but he also pioneered synchronicity. The word comes from Jung. Mm. And he had a pseudo, what's the word? Pseudo, um, pseudoscience. Is that what it is? Like that kind of approach. It wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, obviously he he studied psychology in his, but it was more of the spiritual side of things. It wasn't just black and white. But the reason why, why he was discredited or has been not been as popular is because he was in psychosis and he's got like this red book and he wrote it over six years and it, and it was a, a six year long psychosis. And th- this is the stuff he was, I feel channeling. I haven't read the book, would love to, mm. but um, 
I don't think mental health and psychology is as black and white as we think it is. And I think that because of the systems that are set up that we have in place, my mom's studying at the moment. She's like, yeah, they've got recent studies on psilocybin and MDMA. And I'm like, by the time it goes through all these different boards and people, it's like so stripped back, like it, it's taking too long. Mm. But I'm not sure I understand. I'm not talking to you, Siri. <laughs> That's so perfect too. It's so perfect. It's so funny. Um, I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't, Siri. You wouldn't get it. Um, so I want to come back to this topic because before we, and coming back into like the kind of theme that we're touching on here. So yeah. I've gone and had ex- extraordinarily tantric experiences in like, all right. Let's talk about Tantra. What the hell is it? Because people get confused and I think that, you know, it's not just about sex and intimacy and and, and that sort of stuff in the bedroom, but this is yep. the mis, the misinterpretation. So what what is Tantra? Cool. So basically Tantra in a nutshell is starting to strip back the layers. So I just want to preface as well. So my version of Tantra is, is non-dual Shaiva Tantra. Um, mainly from the Kaula lineage. And so just, I know that probably doesn't mean much, but just, just in case you were wondering. And so like, as I <laughs> understand ta- Tantra, no, just for anyone listening, I guess, yeah, like yeah. if you want to know what it is, because if someone else, the thing is, well, like I mentioned earlier, if someone has been trained in a different lineage of Tantra, they'll have different experiences and different opinions. So just, just to clarify that. Um, but yeah, as I understand and I see it, Tantra is a way of unraveling and unpacking all the layers of our conditioning till we get to nothing but pure awareness, right? Uh, And so, for example, there's, okay, so I'll quickly overview the layers. They've also been called koshas. Mm -hmm. Um, So some people who've done yoga would understand the word koshas. It's a different model to that because there's the Vedantic, Vedantic model, which is like the Vedas, and then there's the Tantric model. So Tantra originally emerged around 500 CE, so common era, in a direct rebellion to classical yoga, which was actually renunciate-based, right? And so a lot of people think that, like, all of yoga has always been quite liberated and connected with sex, and the East was, like, so much more in touch with their bodies, but that's not always the case. So basically, in in, in India... They went from, like, as all societies did, eventually went from, like, hunter-gatherer to civilization, right? They lived in, you know, agricultural revolution, lived in a city. They did that for I don't know how many years. Eventually, they're like, people are getting sick all the time. We're not happy. Uh, what went wrong? And then the renunciates popped up, right, in, yo- in yoga especially. And they were like, we need to, you know, this is all pendulum swinging, right? So Ooh. we've gone from... Mm-hmm. completely free hunter-gatherer to pure civilization, people stacked on top of each other. And then it swung back to the other side and people become renunciates. So they basically um, renounced all material possessions, went off into the forest and just meditated. So originally yoga meant meditation. So mm. it's, it's funny actually because uh, astrology is more traditionally associated with yoga than downward dog wow seriously yeah so it's like astrology like so yoga originally meant meditation Mm -hmm. and using visualization techniques in order to uh i don't want to use the the word transcend but to explore the different layers of self 
Mm. And so what was happening at that time is that it was either you renounce everything and become a yogi, a renunciate, and try to try to escape the physical world, or you were living in the city and, and working and, and having a non-spiritual life. Whereas Tantra was like, no, you can actually live in the real world, have a family, have sex, all these kind of things, and still be spiritual. So Tantra was spiritual, like the spiritual path for the householder, for the everyday person. But it also was starting to level the playing field because in India at the time, there was all these, so it still has a caste system, right? So it's like a hierarchy of, you know, these people are like the wealthy ones. They have like this authority mm. and there's these people and this person, this person. And there was also like, uh, like most places at the time, a very patriarchal system in that the males were allowed to do a lot more things than, mm -hmm. than women. And so what Tantra actually did, it actually disposed of uh, not just the um, made, so basically like Tantra was OG feminism is what I say, because uh, Tantra not only allowed women to practice yoga for the first time in history, I mean, there was probably rare cases before that, but Tantra is like, no, men and women are on equal standing. In fact, there is no caste system according to us. Doesn't matter if you're a, like a peasant and homeless mm. or if you're the king, you're on the same level like spiritually as everyone else. And so they had uh, like female gurus as well, which was like huge and heretical to, um, you know, the Brahminic kind of, uh, yeah, that, that kind of classical yoga renunciate based things. And yeah, and they included sexuality in it as mm. well. Mm. And so the Kala lineage or the, or the non-dual Tantra that I follow mainly is very goddess focused. And so they were very focused on the divine feminine, um, you know, and really breaking the taboos. So Tantra essentially is like the path of the rebel. Um, it's basically breaking taboos. And so to be honest, anyone who is super judgy is, uh, you know, doesn't have a sense of humor, I think is not a Tantrika, is not like following the Tantric path. Because eventually, once you unpack all your layers there's nothing left to do but laugh because yeah. nothing nothing really matters but then paradoxically everything matters um and you know all these identities that we have are just constructions mm -hmm. and yeah it's tricky what are you gonna say it looks like i was gonna ask you about this thing that you've mentioned about non-dualism mm -hmm. so everything matters and everything doesn't all at once just like art is both priceless and worthless all at once depending on the yeah. eye of the pot like who's you 100%. know subjective but um do you see that as being dualistic like that that, that the, the paradox of that like do you see what what's your opinion tell me about so, this yeah non-dualism <laughs> thing so so the interesting thing is that like language is inherently dualistic in that same thing to the game yeah. analogy like in order to in order to voice something we need to say that it's not something else right you know because if 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 i was to say that this coffee cup is is everything then it's nothing you know what i mean i don't know if that makes sense it's like kind yeah. of a bit of a brain exploder like the yin but and the yang we have this like in order to understand uh happiness we can understand unhappy like we need to experience unhappiness is that kind of is that too simple i don't know no it's it's on the right track so what i would say to that to make it non-dual is not putting happiness as 
at l- labeling happiness as a better emotion than sadness. Okay, so, example, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, um, there's I can't remember what the system is, but there's like quite a few systems that have a hierarchy of emotions, right? Mm. And you probably run into it in the neo tantra community in the sexuality. There's like people talk about vibrations, right? It's like we want to have the high vibration instead of lower vibration. Tantra would say, "Fuck that." that like all all us are all are on the same like par hierarchy right so anger is just as important as joy right that everything has a place just as important and yes everything has its place and i guess like i haven't i haven't i don't have a test i don't have one of those barometers or i don't have a way or a tool or a technique or a uh, like specific instrument to measure the frequency of these said emotions but based on some consciousness like mapping system which i don't fully know the science behind you know we hear shame and guilt has a lower frequency and that gratitude has a higher frequency and love and joy have a higher frequency and so I know what it feels like in my body to be shame in my shame or in guilt or in anger. And I can feel that. So I'm curious about what your perspective is on that, the frequency, because there is frequency like that's, that's, that's. Yeah. So the frequency map I'm talking about mainly is from a book. I think I've got it here called power versus force. Um, I've heard of this book. Yeah. So it's quite a good book, but basically it puts, uh, uh, emotions into a chart of hierarchy um so yeah the map the, of consciousness yeah, yeah so you've got yeah. like um loving and like you know all that sort of stuff and then despising and like all these are basically basically it's a it's a rank of hierarchy yeah of of what is a higher like so it basically saying higher means good lower means bad so but in my opinion and from like a tantric perspective uh-huh. every like you know the nature is pretty onto it if we if like yeah. anger and jealousy and shame if they were bad like why do we have them right yes you know and so they are all useful so i think every emotion has a yeah. beneficial a, like a useful attribute right for every, mm-hmm. okay for example let's talk about shame you're talking about shame so yeah. like oh shame is bad we don't we don't mm-hmm. want to feel shame okay shame is simply like yeah the negative connotations of shame is like making us feel like our actions are not welcome or are not ideal but that could also be a benefit in that why are we assessing this like how is this a benefit so shame is connected in like a social social framework right so Mm -hmm. if we were by if we are what were the only person on earth would we feel shame maybe but we'd probably end up feeling shame towards some like invisible deity right so Mm -hmm. like religion offers a lot of shame especially christianity and stuff right so Mm -hmm. people might be like yes because it basically comes down to a moral so shame is connected to a moral framework Mm -hmm. in what is right and what is wrong so it's inherently dualistic um i don't think any of us would be able to be completely shame free um but shame what benefits can shame bring us they can help us to realize what our true values are Yeah. yeah Because if you're feeling shame about something, one, are you actually feeling shame deep in your body or is it just because you, you've been conditioned to those values? So it's like, what are my actual values? What values am I like, you know, and it's, it's an opportunity to, yeah, to get Mm -hmm. in touch with your values and see if they're actually like, you know what, I, that's not even a value of mine. So I, I acted in this way because truly Mm -hmm. 
this conditioning of values that I've had doesn't resonate with me on a deep level. And so mm. I'm going to get rid of those values now because I obviously don't think that way. Or on the opposite, actually, no, that is a deep value of mine. Mm. I don't want to behave in that way again because I, I, this, this shame has helped me to realize that. Yeah. So it's an yeah. opportunity. Anger. Anger mm. gets shit done. You know, anger, like okay, gratitude 100% is good. But gratitude leads to contentment, which leads to inaction, which leads to like not getting shit done. And, but you don't want to, you don't, it's like, it's just a balance. I agree. Anyway, I'm going to take agree. a breath so you can say stuff because I can see you wanting oh, to. Oh, no, I'm just like, I'm like, you know, the parts of me that get really excited to say exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, I can just sit here and just fully receive this because I have the same views I can see the what I'm hearing you say is the uh the empowering versions of these lower frequency emotions is to bring us back into alignment to our core values like guilt mm. is there so that we know that we've done something that may not have actually been true to what our you know like I've hurt somebody and I feel guilty about that or I've done something that has an impact on somebody else. But, yeah, the, it's just being mindful, again, the balance, just being mindful about, like, the shadows that come from these frequencies. And I like what you said about how it's not that one is better than the other because that in itself is creating shame. And it's understanding, um, I guess, where I'm at right now is being so hyper aware of the words that I use and the spells that I cast with the words that I use because they do carry a frequency. And it's not even about that. It's like mastering the energetics behind the words that I'm speaking because I can say fuck you and have an energy behind it and I can say mm. fuck you and it has a completely different mm. energy and I can feel it in my body where it's coming from. Um, yeah, that was a bit Yeah, fiery. definitely. And we were and we were talking before we started recording, you were talking about how you're aware like you can read people's body language and stuff like that in certain ways. Like mm -hmm. I I come from a sales background. So I was doing like I had my own car washing business when I was five mm -hmm. years old. Right. And I like Very I, Yeah. So like I've and I, I got into sales at quite a young age as well. And I just learned how to read people and like how mm -hmm. to, you know, and so one of the first things that they teach you in sales is that there's three things to what people say. There's what they're actually saying, the words, there's the the tone of voice that they're saying, and then there's the body language. Mm -hmm. And you have, have you are you familiar with this? Yeah, my my I have yeah, I have a sales background, HR and sales background. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone should learn it because it's just like mm. basic human psychology. But also and, like the majority of the the threes body language, isn't it? Yeah. I'll let you finish going. Yeah, no, no, you nailed it. Yeah, but that's the thing, like everyone you know, basically they usually say um, in workshops and stuff, like, which one do you think is the most important? Which should we notice more? And, you know, people usually think it's what we say, mm -hmm. um, but it's actually, it's mostly body language and then it's tone of voice. And it's something like ridiculously low, like 30 or less percent is what mm -hmm. we actually say. So like that's saying if, if you have a nice tone of voice and you're like, fuck you, you know, like yeah, you, you, you. you hear it, but yeah. you're like, your body's like, oh no, that sounded nice. Yeah. Um, and so it's the same thing, but I also want to get onto the energetic level. Like, and the word energy gets thrown around a lot, right? And so tantra 
is actually the origin of the chakras. So, mm. and when I said the chakras, as I mentioned earlier, like the original, one of the original chakra systems is the five chakra, five element system, mm -hmm. which um, I feel like we, we would have to go into on a different thing because we're already getting close to the hour. Yeah. Um, but uh, so essentially Tantra is mainly focused on changing the lens and, and deconstructing your, uh, like your awareness and, and how you operate in the world. Um, it's very focused on strengthening the energy body, which I'll go into in a second. And it's interested in looking be beyond, uh, so beyond the physical, beyond the mental, emotional, into the archetypal realms. And that's where we focus on deities. So, um, you know, working with spirits, uh, working with deities, it is actually a primary part of Tantra. And so, the interesting thing is a lot of people that you know who get into the Antarctica talk about spirits, but like they're not prepped for that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of people go into the neo tantra world and have these nervous system overloading experiences without the prep work for being able to hold these. Because even in the sexual aspect of things, these the sexual practices were actually quite rare, and they were only usually giving to to initiates who'd done all the prep work. Um, it's like it's like a martial art like in when I got into martial arts like usually you know there's that those movies like you have to do the wax on wax off before you learn any of the cool stuff but that happened in a lot of martial arts because the people who want to just learn martial arts to go and beat people up are not going to stick around for a year to learn the foundations and so they have to like earn it and also because it can be overloading for the nervous system and so especially with mm. our Christian upbringing um, where basically built on shame around sexuality and so we're talking about pendulum swinging and so basically like i, I feel like yeah there's so many things i want to touch on but neo -tantra, i love this <laughs> yeah neo tantra evolved because i think what i imagine what would have happened i can tell you like the, the pioneers of neo tantra but you can google that but essentially what i'm imagining was happening was that around the time that neo tantra took off which was only about 50 years ago um the world was starting to shed especially like women you know like we're coming out of the 1940s and 1950s where like the the i don't know i just think of like the um oh what's that tv show i can't remember but like you know like the stay-at-home wife that supports the thing all these like that 70s show yeah kind of i was thinking yeah like that kind of era yeah um, but, but are you talking yeah the 70s or the 40s and 50s well, after the forties and fifties, um, yeah, that, yeah. these th these um, like after the war and stuff like that, yeah, because yeah. um, women were in the work, beginning to go in the workforce and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, feminism <laughs> movement. Yeah, but like a lot of these ideas were starting to be challenged, and people were looking for something. And then I think they they turned to the East because they saw the East as uh, embracing sexuality and all these other parts. But in reality, uh, sex was just as much a part of tantra as eating food it was because everything was on the same level mm. but as westerners who have been sexually repressed for how many however many years the being told that we can be spiritual beings and sexual beings that's all we needed to know like i imagine that you know whoever was teaching it, it's like yes we do this and we do this and, mm -hmm. and we eat food in a conscious way and we have sex in a conscious way and they're like hold mm. on what what rewind we can have sex and be spiritual and they're like yeah yeah but there's more to it and they're like no that's that's all we need to know and then they just like <laughs> go off and then and then tell the rest of the world so that's basically what's happened 
but it's a pendulum swing because we've gone mm. from saying that like you know sex is not spiritual sex is bad and you can see still see that it's so charged everywhere the fact that we get fact that i i am getting uh my youtube my instagram my facebook has been flagged yeah um, repeated times because i use the word tantra and so i can't put i can't, are you kidding me so i can't put <laughs> so ridiculous um ads about my classical tantric yoga classes on on facebook because i get a notification saying that i'm uh, advertising sexual services um but oh yet, my god you know, like but also uh, like downward dog is a little bit of a compromising stretch come on <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah no i get it yeah, yeah wow um, yeah but basically yeah tantra is just to because i don't feel we've properly covered it but we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll do lots more but uh to cover it in a little little bit tantra is about making friends and falling in love with every part of the human experience and that's what if if tantra has any goal it's to it's to deeply fall in love with everything from like from from love like the good parts of love but also the heartbreak and mm. and you know not labeling one as good and one as bad is and not seeing things mm. as black and white everything is relative and just being committed to like unraveling things and that's what like tantra like literally translates to uh, a few different things but one of them is to weave right mm. tantra is to weave it also means a framework and a way of being a way of operating and so tantra can be uh described as like unraveling your existing uh threads right mm. and tracing your threads to its origins and then consciously reweaving your yourself and that's what like it's essentially tantra is especially in the yoga teacher training that i teach we're unpacking all the layers of who we are it's like marie i call it marie condoing your soul right yeah, so wow. you unpack every layer of your who you are and then you're like wow i can actually choose who i want to be like these are definitely like these archetypal parts of me are really important and like a strong part of my being but I also have choice. And so it's like laying all parts of you out. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is like actually doing the shadow work, like not just laying the pretty mm -hmm. pits, pretty mm -hmm. parts out, I'm laying all your shit mm -hmm. um, and then going, okay, this isn't serving me. I, I want to get rid of this. Or this doesn't bring me joy. This doesn't bring me like any growth. And then actually rebuilding yourself. And it's a constant process. So it's unpack yourself, rebuild, unpack, rebuild, unpack, rebuild. Mm -hmm. um, I like the quote, um, that human beings are a continuous uh, work in progress that mistakenly think uh, we're finished. And so we're just constantly in a work of progress. So, mm. yeah, I just, I, I, if I was like to sum up my mission, it's trying to bring more, more humor, sense of humor around ourselves. Cause I feel like the people who have really delved into stuff mm. just have a sense of humor. Cause we don't like, we don't know. I don't know what happens when I die. I don't know what the truth of existence is. Um, and I may never know, but I'm enjoying the ride and um, just trying to, yeah, have a sense of humor about it and compassion for other people and, yeah, and try to try to do what I want in the world while also uh, not causing undue harm to other people as well. And, yeah, mm, lots of lots yeah. of parts. I feel like I've missed out on a point I was going to make before um, by going on a tangent, but I'll let you... Um, what was the point? Do you remember? Or 
No, I don't remember what. I remember <laughs> I took a detour to make a different point. Um, I'm just going to see what, because like, I wrote down a few things that I wanted to touch on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I like that. that. You wanted to ask as well? Um, I just want to share, like, it's interesting because I have a friend. I was, I was doing, I've been, I fucking love shadow work. Like, it's just so in my, it's just, I love it. Um, and I was deep in this thing called Shadow Alchemy in 2020, and it was like an online cult that I um, gave my power away to, which was an epic experience of, you know, losing yourself in the most rewarding way, priceless gift and lesson in life. But, um, yeah, while I was in it, there was a guy, Ra, his name is, and he's awesome, and he's like, you're a tantrika, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And hearing you speak about that, and I'm not like, I'm totally, I'm actually going to fucking name this part of me right now that is fully pulling on this like same thread as I was Isis in a past life. There is a part of me that wants to feel special by being called a tantric girl. But also the truth is that it, what I'm hearing and what I am noticing about what tantra is, is that it's this like deeply romantic and intimate, like the intimacy with life, you know, those, mm. those, those are, uh, those really intimate moments that we have with ourselves. And that's what I think intimacy actually is, is like into me, you see, you know, that's how you break down such a cliche breakdown of the word. But when we create this intimacy in this, you know, we shared some really intimate details about our past with each other before we jumped onto this life, before we jumped onto the podcast. And I, I feel the I guess the attention to those uh subtleties you know when you do like create that authentic Mm. sort of like expression as well as that 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 the connection and the intimacy that you have with yourself and unholding that part of yourself and being like hey it's actually safe to express this and because you go into that space of like wow I used to shame this part of myself and now I actually love it and it's it, it, the space for that, the space for the lessons, the space for the part of me that has cheated or the space for the part of me that, you know, is also just like the love bomb or whatever. Like I'm, that's what I'm hearing Tantra is, is being able to have that intimacy with yourself and with others. Yeah, and it, and it's a, it's a balance because that's why, uh, so it's interesting as well because in at least my Tantric model, so people talk about Kundalini as well, right? So everyone's probably heard the word Kundalini. Um, a lot yeah. of people don't really know what it actually is. So uh, quickly, before I get into the practicalities, historically, what we see is Kundalini yoga today was created by a guy called Yogi Bhajan, which was actually has proved, been proven to be, uh, I don't want to say fraud, but like he, he didn't actually have a Kundalini lineage. Um, but he did make a really good system of yoga. And I actually really like Kundalini yoga. So if anyone who does Kundalini yoga, but people think of Kundalini as connected to that, where it's actually Kundalini is derived from Tantra. It's only found in Tantric scriptures. And when I say Tantric scriptures, it's like that period between like 500 CE to 1200 CE uh, and these like scriptures that we found were found in India that are now called the Tantras. And Kundalini has changed over the years. It literally means the coiled one or something that is coiled. And it it is really in practice referred to like one particular practice. And this is actually, so in the yoga teacher training, 
a lot of people obviously ask, are we going to learn sexual um, practices because it is a tantric yoga teach training? Um, and there's only really a couple of sexual practices in the training. But the first one is, is just a simple practice that doesn't even have to be sexual. But you can I'll actually teach you guys this and you can say that everyone, you learn a traditional kundalini practice in this podcast. And literally all it is, is breathing energy down to the base of your body on the inhale and then holding it for a moment and then breathing it up to the crown of your head and leaving it for a moment. Yeah. And so if I was actually going to run you through a little practice, I might slow down my voice and get into teacher mode and you will start to notice the base of your body sitting in wherever you are, whether it's your car seat or so if you are doing this while you're driving, just, just be careful, obviously don't get caught too caught up in it. But you can close your eyes for a moment. And I just want you to imagine as you breathe in through the nose that you can feel the breath moving all the way down to the base of your body. So that what I mean by that is the pelvic floor or just below the general area. And then as you breathe out, you'll imagine this attention or energy, whatever you want to see it as, going all the way up to the crown of your head. Yeah. And so that's really as simple as it needs to be. So as you breathe in, I want you to imagine drawing the energy down. And as you as you pause at the bottom, just imagine that this energy is coiling and swirling around. And then as you exhale, you can maybe just squeeze. I won't get it, go into bundles and things like that, but just imagine this tiny little squeezing at the pelvic floor and then channeling that energy all the way up into the crown of the head. And then pausing there for a moment. So an example might be breathing in for four, three, two, one, pausing and letting that kind of circulate at the base of the body. And then as you exhale, feel that moving and maybe even spiraling all the way up through the body to the crown of the head and just pausing for three, two, one and repeating that. And you can do that for the rest of your life. So initially it doesn't have to be a sexual practice, but this is the same thing. Like energy is not necessarily like it's not different from sexual energy it's just what are you using for what were you gonna say i was gonna say like i'm pretty sure that's how i cracked the codes of having full body orgasm mm -hmm. i didn't realize i was breathing like that like yep. this i've never i've never i've never sat through anything like that before so but through circulating my breathing like that i'm really paying like a, acute attention to where the energy is moving in my body yeah and then and then it's yeah, no, so yeah. that's what I was going to say as well, is like that is that is the first practice. And, and uh, like when I say first practice, it is the main practice of how to, how to channel sexual energy or kundalini energy because there's not, like, not really a, a, a difference. But it's like once you start to harness that energy, then you can start to do anything you want with it, whether it's trying to manifest things. You can use that for manifestation. You mm -hmm. can use that to have a genital-based orgasm. You can use it to have a full-body-based orgasm. Um, but also, most of these sexual practices are actually from Taoism and Chinese Tantra rather than Indian Tantra, which um, I think we're getting more into the... So if you're listening to this, we're going to do another podcast um, and it's going to be more based on relating. I'll, I'll deep dive into the sexual practices and stuff like that. So make sure you, if you want to learn more about that, um, but I'll yeah. just quickly go back over uh, Tantra and stuff. Cause I really want to cover as many bases as possible. And I remembered mm -hmm. what I, I, I forgot. Um, so I'll just say <laughs> it now. So 
the reason why I started talking about the energy body is because what we were talking about is you, you not wanting to save certain things or being careful how you word things. Mm. And that's, and the, like in a tantric view, you know how everyone gets offended about things these days? Oh, tantra would crazy. say if you are easily offended, you have a weak energy body. Yeah. And why, what does that mean? It means that you're unable to digest things. And so an energy body like a strong energy body means that you're able to digest experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, you can see as like, imagine like you have a, like a, an argument with your partner, right. And you end up reacting, you get angry, they get angry, et cetera, et cetera. And, but if you have a strong energy body, you may not be so reactive. You might be able to digest the experience. Like within like 10 minutes, you may be like, this is stupid. Why do we, what, like, this was literally over nothing. And then, you know, put your ego out of the way and be like, hey, like, I don't want to waste out the rest of our evening fighting. This was stupid. Like, I apologize for my part, it, part in it. And, mm. you know, if they if they are on the similar level, they'll be like, yeah, cool. Let's just get on with it. Like, let's mm. digest it quickly. Whereas some people could take days, weeks, months, years to digest an experience. Um, and it's like digesting the story. So when, like, it's like digesting what? Mainly digesting the narrative. Like all the things like this person did this, which means this according to what I've been taught. And so a strong energy body is essentially being able to digest experience. So this is what we're focusing on. We're doing all these breathwork practices, ritual practices, visualization practices, unpacking of our belief systems and conditioning in order to operate in the world. And like, so if, if you say something bad to me, like being like, oh, I don't like the way that you say this, or I don't like this. It's like, cool. That's just one part of me that like, you don't like that part, but that's okay. There's like all these other parts of me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can not take that as personally, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. see that you're, you know, you're just sharing your experience. It doesn't mean there's any objective truth to it. You know, what you, what you don't like about me could be something else that someone else loves about me, but like, why does yeah. that matter? Like it's, yeah. it's just, and even asking each other, what do you mean by that? If you're like, um, oh, like, you know, it annoys me that when you do this, it's like, like, what do you mean it annoys you? Like, what do you feel in your body? Oh, I feel agitated and this and like unpacking things. And nobody asks each other what they mean like anymore. They just no, they make assumptions. And, yeah, and that's the thing as well. Like, uh, there's one more little thing I, I was going to say. Oh, just one last thing where, where you, you actually said uh, the, not the right, I don't want to say the right thing, but how I, how I <laughs> tell see me I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you said something that is a similar way that I perceive it. Like, mm -hmm. so when I'm doing the energy practice, so some people might be like, Oh, I can't feel the energy moving. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you imagine right now that you can feel the clothing on your skin so i just want you to imagine right as you sit there just notice the clothing on your skin now that you didn't notice a moment ago mm -hmm. like before because your attention wasn't there as soon as your attention is there now you notice it and now maybe you will even feel the hair on you know mm -hmm. like if you've got long hair draping across your shoulders that you didn't even notice before but it was there the whole time so simply mm -hmm. bringing awareness to something the subtleties mm. is starting to notice it. And so you can brush your fingertips over your skin now and just, and the more awareness you bring, the more potent that is, right? And so simply imagining that you're noticing 
the awareness of you know the crown of your head down the front of your nose over your top lip bottom lip chin chest ribs belly thighs and then bringing it down to your attention it's just simply bringing your awareness there is taking energy there so that that can be as simple as, as that just bringing your awareness to something eventually will yield results but also people are fucking impatient and people expect to have like full body orgasms in, within two sessions it's like oh it's- my god it took me years it took me years to get to that point I was so in my head and I totally get that I get the impatience I get the whole like I'm just gonna get a vibrator and my dildo out and just fucking get on with it because I don't have mm. time to sit here for hours and really nurture my body yeah well that's just gonna that that is like for me anyway like having the pressure like is, yeah it, exactly oh such a buzzkill and it's also different for men and women because like Mm. one we experience it like i have no idea really how you experience an orgasm as opposed to me but also for men as well with a full body orgasm if we go too far over one like if we go too far like we ejaculate and so Mm. it's it's like yeah like because you want to you want to see how far you can go but then know how to like pull back and all that sort of stuff Anyway, that's another conversation, but yeah, um, I think this is like coming into part two and I'm so excited to have that chat with you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is there um, anything else on your points that, yeah, you were wanting to cover? Uh, yeah, basically that, um, so yes, Tantra is connected to sex, but only in the same way that it's connected to breathing and connected to eating and like basically Tantra was trying to do away with this black and white, this duality of things, um, saying that, yeah, sex is not spiritual, saying that this is not spiritual. They used to do a lot of like weird stuff, like go out to graveyards and stuff just to show, because it was like really taboo to do all these things. So it's like Tantra was mainly interested in liberation, essentially. Tantra, that's why like Kali is like, Kali is actually a, a tantric deity as well. And so love kali as far as i know is only found in tantric scriptures like now she's part of hinduism but kali is like the part like deity par excellence and so she represents like being able to digest anything so like kali could digest this demon's blood and 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 like uh not only digest it but transmute it into power and so Mm. yeah kali is this like representative of liberation and so tantra is all about love liberation mm-hmm. and not love as in like 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 mm-hmm. i could you know love something but not like it um yeah and and just an integration of everything and everything has its place um but that also doesn't allow you to spiritually bypass and do uh mean shit to people and just say that you're acting out of your archetype or like i made a joke in one of my podcasts about like you know like oh, i'm in my dark masculine so i'm just gonna like push your uh physical boundaries yeah. because it's not me it's my dark masculine like playing out it's like it's so, yeah. like oh it's, i'm a libra so i'm indecisive i fucking say it all the time and it's the ultimate bypass it's like take responsibility for your actions because they have an effect yeah and just seeing like what like are your practices <laughs> empowering or are they disempowering like because yeah. i also teach people how to do like oracle readings or tarot readings or rune readings and the main thing that people don't think of is like, how are you asking your question? Like if someone does a room reading with me, they're like, oh, am I going to like move to this place? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Am I going to be with this person? Mm. It's like, do you want to? Like, what can you, can you ask? Like, yeah. I want to get this job. 
So instead of saying, am I going to get this job or not? It's like one, do you want this job? You, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What is the best way to get this job? That's a better question. Yeah. 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 I'm hearing you on that. I had this conversation with a friend this morning and she was like, they were doing muscle testing because she had this fling with this dude and it was all magical stuff as well. And she was like, does he have sex with different women in different States? And it was a no. And then it was, does he have sex with women in hotels? Cause I, we were coming under this, like coming to con- a conclusion that he has a kink about like sleeping with women who work at the hotels. It was the whole thing yeah. anyway, but yeah, this is specifics of the question shifted the answer. And it was like such a distinct, cause you know, making an assumption that this person goes to every state is an assumption you don't know. But I also like the way that you've kind of turned it into like, what do you want? You know, like, this is something I see in my clients as well, especially when they're on the brink of a breakup because that's when they mostly come to me. And it's like, do I like, you know, does he want to be with me or does she want to be with me or not? And I'm like, do you want to be with them? Like, mm-hmm. that's the question. Um, Which I think this is like me really feeling that pull of that thread of going and bringing what we've just shared and what you've just shared. Thank you. Into the space and the realms of relating. Um. And I love to come back to what you said about like being super specific about the questions. I can't remember why you mentioned that. Oh, uh, cause either. Yeah. Are you, is your question empowering or disempowering? Yeah. Like, yeah. In yeah. the way that like you're, you know, if you're asking whether or not you're going to get the job, mm. if the cards say no, you're going to like be like, Oh, I'm not even going to try. Uh-huh. Um, same goes for magic as well, because um, you know, people talk about manifestation and doing things, mm. but like you can't do a spell to attract your your soulmate for example i see this a lot like i'm going to do a spell to attract my soulmate i expect them to knock on my door that might happen but also like magic works through uh the natural world as well so you need to then go out and like meet people you know it it can Mm. it can lubricate the tracks a little bit like but you still need to go and do the work you still yeah 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 yes this is the thing about manifestation things it's like I'm gonna write down what I want a hundred times and going to sit at my altar and sit with my crystals and put a yoni egg up my pussy and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do I'm not discrediting the power of prayer because I've had some pretty profound experiences with it however there is action that is required people and this is the thing right in order to get what you I've I don't know I really feel passionate about this in order to get what you want and truly desire, you need to expand your container. And if you want to expand your container to make space in your life, you need to step outside your comfort zone. And so this mm. is the, my issue with people that are like, oh, doesn't feel good in my body. It's not going to fucking feel good in your body because yeah. your body isn't designed to feel comfortable when you're doing something that is uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's that's the last um, that I forgot to mention. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, the mm. last... Uh, literal translation of the word tantra is means expansion like an expansion of possibility right so like um there's these things called the four desires or the purushathas um and they're like they're the tagline of my yoga school um and they they roughly translate my interpret my translation is pleasure power purpose and possibility and all in balance right and so you know you have your purpose what you want to achieve in this world but if it doesn't bring you pleasure, you're probably not going to do it much. And if you don't have the power, which might be your finances to support you in that, you're not going to do it very efficiently. And like, if you restrict yourself to like only a certain amount of possibility, 
then you're never really going to expand and, and reach your full potential. So as long as you can keep your pleasure, power and purpose and possibility in a fairly equal balance, that's the key to living like a fruitful life, like the best fucking life. And, and like, I even challenge I anyone listening to this or you, Sam, to mm. like, to even say like, like, is there, can you find any flaws in that? Like, is there any like part of your body that says, oh no, like, cause I'd love to even talk, talk about it. If you feel like that, um, pleasure power possibility and possibility um wait pleasure wait no wait it's it's, uh kama it's in sanskrit kama artha dharma moksha translates to pleasure power purpose and possibility oh purpose and possibility pleasure power purpose possibility the shadow of power that's what I immediately comes up for me is like, I've just been noticing um, that with spiritual and conscious leaders that step into this position of authority and their relationship with power shifts and it's very subtle and you, I can witness it in myself, the power trip as well, you know, and I, I am a power tripper, but I'm not a power tripper in the sense of like wanting to have power over somebody else. I want to contain my power and not give my power away. Yeah. And so I see the the shadow of power is like where the love of power becomes more important than the power of love. Yeah, I think that like you touched on the, the main important part is there's a difference between having power and having power over someone else like Mm. what if we both had the equal amount of power like what would that look like Mm. um and it's really like what you want to be doing so like money is the most obvious example like you know and the interesting thing i see in the spiritual world is like people badmouth like they they're against capitalism and against money but they say oh money is bad because the bad people have it it's like okay are you would you consider yourself good then yes i'm good and the bad like and but I don't have any money. It's like cool. What if you had all the money? Would that make money good because you're doing good things? And like so, if if their theory is right, then we should the good people, the people who want to do cool shit with it, um, and help the world should have all the money. So we should have the power, right? You know, like it's mm. it's an interesting thing. So money is money isn't bad. It's just like what do people do with it? And this is so interesting. Yes, I love this. It's really interesting that you've mentioned this because today I just had this thought about the difference between the words deserve and desire. And when I hear myself say I deserve that, I know we're kind of like going off tangent, but when I hear myself say I deserve that, the, the, the feelings I get is like I had to do something to get that. So where can I just claim my desire because I am fucking worthy of that? Mm. And I truly just desire that and want that. I want a luxurious life. I want to have like the spaciousness to relax so that when I am in service, I can, yeah, go on. Can I, can I just ask you something though? That like, that is like what you touched on, you think is the missing key to effective manifestation of magic for most people, because we're told to shoot for the moon kind of thing. Right. And so yeah. how, like, how do you, how does it feel and where do you feel it? when you make a statement or an affirmation that your body knows you're not ready for and doesn't believe. Like, for example, you could say, I'm going to make a million dollars tomorrow. And like, oh, like, yeah. So, and your body's like, bullshit. 
Yeah. Um, but if you're like, I'm going to make $100 tomorrow, your body's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Mm. And so like, yeah. um, and that's a good tester, right? So if you want to manifest something, like just say, you know, someone's trying to manifest, uh, you know, their soulmate or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they feel, they're like, yeah, I'm going to manifest my soulmate within the next six months. And their body's like, no. Nah. It's like, okay, what are you ready for? I'm going to manifest a, a good relationship or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, so I'm interested, like, have you done those kind of practices where you say a, say a statement and see how it feels in your body? And like, if you have, what does it feel like in your body? Where do you feel it? Um, how do you know if that's like, if you're ready for that mm-hmm. statement yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this feels a little bit like existential kinky kind of in a way. I don't know. I haven't. I went, so I'll share a story. I went up to 2020 found this woman online, Lorna Johnson, fucking, you know, incredible, like, authority and just conviction and captivating and beautiful and, you know, this loved everything. She's like, I made a million dollars in 10 months and I was, like, hooked in the dream and fantasy of, like, I'm going to do that and went down this path of, like, using her tools and using her methods and all of that and, like, you just have to state the truth and, like, whatever her process was and I went into this fucking space of like what she called it was like truth rants and like going into this like intellectual process of like saying that I'm going to make this amount of money to now going onto the other side of the pendulum which is awesome because it kind of ties into this of like overnight success does not appeal to me because I don't want that I don't want to miss out on everything that I've just experienced over the last few years that has led me to where I am now and all these the intimate details the tantric experiences that I've had with life where I'm able to now come from a place of integrity and come from a place of integration and embodiment And so the idea of having a million dollars is still a possibility and 100% going to be part of my reality, but I'm not in any rush to get there. And what feels good in my body is to actually like surrender and not bypass taking the actions because I am, but what I'm surrendering is the how. I'm still doing the what and I'm still doing the, um, the why, but the how part of it, I've just let that go. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's so a couple of things, like one, I completely agree. Um, and I think people over, uh, it's like that saying they overestimate what they can achieve in a month and underestimate what they can achieve in a year kind of thing. And so in, in Tantra, and it's interesting what you keep saying, like you've had these Tantric experiences because for me and for, for a lot of the like quite experienced, I'm not saying I'm a super experienced Tantrica, but like, um, I'm just trying to think how I was trying to say it. Basically, like for me, Tantra was coming home. When I when mm. I found Tantra, I was like, I already think this way. Um, I already operate this way. But now I have a name for it. And now I have a way of cultivating this part of me that was there all along. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, even to be honest, like in the like 30, 40 minutes or whatever we chatted before this podcast, just just the things you were saying i was like oh you're already like tantric but you just haven't like found the word for it and you haven't and it also it's not saying that like someone's a tantric just by you know feeling this way you're still going to do the work but i feel like it it or it is because some people just don't think this way they think very dualistically mm-hmm. and some people they just can't help it they're like no this is right 
this is wrong. There is no in-between. There's no mm. gray area where like straight away, like one of the first things you said, like it's not black and white. And I was like, yes, like, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, the other thing I was quickly going to say is what you said about making change slowly mm. on a tantric energy body level, we have three main bodies, which all the chakras come from. So there's like three chakras, there's hundred chakras like depending on your system but the, mm -hmm. they all they all emanate from the three main bindus and bindus are basically like core chakras mm -hmm. there's there's one in the head one in the heart and one at the lower body kind of like the lower belly kind of area it's connected to sexuality as well but the awareness body is where we're aware of things our energetic body is where we start to enact things and the physical body is where things actually take form and mm. so like awareness body you you've made an awareness that you want to change your eating habits right mm -hmm. your energy body starts to put plans into place and you've decided that you're just going to go on a like a whole new diet tomorrow mm -hmm. and then the physical body has to adapt slowly rejects it and then you give it up by the end of the week and go back to your same thing but you it's like you've been developing that way of eating over your entire life mm. how do you expect to change that in a week like yeah. in, or in a day it's like same thing for everything like just have have compassion and and uh for yourself and just take it slow and if you fuck up then just laugh it off and go oh i'm human but mm. i was human and i make mistakes i'm just gonna get over it and keep doing it the next day mm. it's like yeah but we're in this like dualistic shaming each other for making mistakes like no one wants to fuck up because everyone else thinks that everyone else has it figured out except for us and so we just perpetuate having it all figured out and so everyone else again thinks that we have it figured out so like i haven't got anything figured out like i don't know what <laughs> yeah. the fuck i'm doing like i do in some aspects but I'm hearing you. It's like the pressures of being a leader and then being told, like being scrutinized if you do a human thing. It's like, I'm not fucking God. Like, you know, there's, there's error here, but I'm going to teach you the wisdom that comes from this mistake so that you can maybe learn from it and not do it or maybe go through the mistake yourself and then see how I handled it. And you might take something that works for me, for you for, from that experience. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's why I just try not to label myself too much these days. Like I was like, vegan yeah. for like seven years i'm still technically i'm vegan but i don't mm. label myself because mm. uh i've seen the the vegan community mm. uh completely uh exile people or, or attack people for having to have bone broth because they are critically ill yeah um, and they're like well i don't have to have bone broth so you shouldn't have to have bone broth it's like projections and then the resentment builds up because this yeah um, I really want to go into the next part of our conversation. So yeah. we're going to come back, guys. This has been absolutely amazing. It's a the two-part series, so they'll be back-to-back. -back. So wait for the next episode. Is there anything else you want to share before we end this part? Uh, know that just that, like, um, yeah, I mean, you said you like flattery. So, yeah, I'm really happy with, <laughs> like, your – honestly, like, Sam, like, it, it was a lot – this was a lot better than I expected. Like um, mm. in that I didn't know really much about you. So um, we connected through, through Anya, your housemate. Mm. Um, but yeah, just like your openness to discussion and candidness and like that intro was like, just, just like the, the complete <laughs> relaxedness of this um, was awesome. And I, yeah, I think we just need more of this in, in the world and like, yeah, just really 
having these conversations and like being being willing to not agree and unpack and yeah it's just is it, absolute pleasure um but yeah if you're interested in anything that i'm doing you can just find me on instagram under daniel irulian e-r-u-l-i-a-n um otherwise the house of majors.com um mm. has all my stuff so i run uh, a tantric yoga teacher training uh, which is very focused on ritual and magic um weaved into classical tantric practices uh and yeah and then i'm also uh finishing off building the house of majors platform which is a school of yoga tantra and magic which has uh lots of amazing teachers on there and is continuing to grow and expand as we speak uh to eventually take over the the world or at least thank you i love that and i'm going to include every single one of those links and contacts into the show notes so that people can get in touch with you Cool. thanks for really joining yes yeah, so fun i'm enjoying yeah. it um yeah thanks for joining me on the podcast and for those listening i will catch you on the next episode bye